Hey, welcome to episode number five of the Outpitch Podcast, your new home for the human side of baseball and social issues. My name is Justin Havelock, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host and friend, Crystal O'Keefe. Crystal, how are you doing today? Not too bad. I also have Willow that just has a few things to say, but pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have a new fan of the podcast with us. So we've got some big news to get to, but before we do, I just wanted to give our listeners a reminder to check out our brand new Google form on our Twitter page, or you can also find it in the description of this, wherever you're listening on Spotify or Apple or YouTube. Just to give us any mailbag questions you might have about a future episode or about us or any feedback you have for the podcast as well. So let's get right into things. I guess our first piece of news today that we have to address is my Toronto Blue Jays this week sweeping the Chicago White Sox. What did you think of that series, Crystal? Yes. Uh, you know, it wasn't great for me. <laughs> you know, we're, I think we, we got swept by the Rays right before that. Uh, we'll probably get swept by the Rays again as they lost, you know, just this evening. So, you know, not fun for me, but very happy for you. Yeah, thank you. It, it was a good week for the Blue Jays. Starting pitching has been on a real nice roll right now against the Yankees and the White Sox, and things are looking up uh, in Toronto. I know they did, uh, just beat Seattle today as well, which is uh, really nice because they were the ones that knocked us out of the playoffs last year. So it's really happy to see us get that little bit of revenge early in the season. <laughs> That's fun too, because you know, the Mariners are, are kind of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I have like a sneaky feeling that they might actually be pretty good this year. So yeah, I mean, it's fun to see what the Blue Jays are doing right now because everybody talks about the Rays and how great the Rays are, but there are some teams, you know, like the Blue Jays that are that are doing great things and are just not being covered as much. Yep. Yep. And I know, um, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays haven't lost many games, but the Blue Jays have handed two of the them two of their losses so yeah they're definitely a team that's going to be in the thick of it for the season yeah we love to see it definitely so in some other uh baseball news we've got some fun updates over the last couple weeks we've been sharing new celebrations that teams have picked up this year and i noticed jan gomes was wearing a football helmet in his post-game interview the other day that was a fun one that I saw pop up on my timeline, courtesy of Jordan Cicelli, who I know we both follow. Yes, we love Jordan. Yeah, that that was just funny. I love a good football helmet. I've seen somebody. I feel like I've seen somebody else do that before, but it's just always funny to see yeah. players just being really goofy. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, speaking of goofy headwear, Atlanta had their oversized hat celebration. <laughs> And unfortunately, that got shut down this week by New Era. They decided to step in. They have the partnership with the MLB to produce the hats and headwear and baseball. And unfortunately, they decided to shut that down, which I thought was really sad. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so lame. Those hats are hilarious. <laughs> like, I just, I think all of these have been really funny, personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how can you be against fun in baseball? That's that's what the sport is all about. Uh, I mean, I was saying to you and a couple of friends that I think it's odd that they couldn't come to an agreement that worked for both parties. Because in my opinion, at least as a big Marvel fan, if Sony and Disney can work out a deal for Spider-Man where they can share the rights, 
I don't see how New Era couldn't have come to an agreement that you know both parties stood to benefit and Atlanta gets to keep their hat celebration going because the, the players definitely seem to be having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, for sure. I I think the Rangers are another one. They do like the big cowboy hat. And then I mentioned earlier, it's not as fun. I think it's kind of silly, if anything. But the White Sox now have like a fedora and sport coat, which they're, they're called like the mob squad, which I think is totally lame. But you know what? They're having fun. And maybe if they actually score some runs, then I'll appreciate it more. But for now, I think it's just lame. It's the lamest one I've seen. Yeah. And you were telling me about I was a little surprised that they would choose that for a celebration. Yeah. I don't um, I don't think of Al Capone when I'm celebrating home runs. So that was that was an odd choice that they made. But I feel like they were just so desperate to fit in and maybe spark some fire in that dugout for a change. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, speaking of uh, sparking fire, I saw a great comment from Kyle Tucker this week about uh, the Philadelphia Phillies that they had played and beat the Astros. Sorry, the Astros had played and beat the Phillies. And Kyle Tucker said in an interview afterwards, they say it's a World Series rematch, but I don't exactly recall it being a match. Decided to throw a little bit of shade in Philly. That's a low. I mean, it's true. It is. It, it's true. But woo, talk about a punch to the gut for Philadelphia. Definitely sounds like they're uh, kicking Philly fans while they're already down. <laughs> yeah. Poor Philly. But hey, they, they're so close to getting Bryce Harper back. It's all right. It'll turn up. Yeah, I've heard he's been uh, playing some first base. So that's great to hear that he's healthy and that he's doing well. And of course, we wish him all the best. Hopefully he can get back out on the field soon. And from the sound of it, if he's playing first base, it'll be more than just a, a DH role with the team this season. Yeah, that's. I think that's good for him. It'll be interesting. I know we talked about, you know, how hard is it to play first base. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch that because I I do love Bryce Harper. He's so good. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm excited for him to come back and make things a little more challenging for other teams. Yeah, I think the game's definitely at its best when we've got the best players in baseball going and the Phillies definitely need the help right now. Yeah. Speaking of like great players, um, I don't know if you saw the link I shared of the very unsettling Juan Soto statue. (laughs) It is scary. (laughs) It looks nothing like him. And it has like the, the gigantic hat that Atlanta was using it's it's unsettling and we'll share the link to it but oh my gosh what are, what are your immediate thoughts on this yeah I I did see that and I agree it was definitely quite unsettling it it sort of reminded me of someone trying to make like a ventriloquist dummy of Juan Soto it, it reminds me they make these little packs of like baseball players and they're surprised they've got like these big heads that's what it reminded me also it just doesn't it doesn't look anything like him yeah if you didn't put a name on that statue i would have guessed it was like a new mascot yeah i probably would have thought it was a a rookie that i hadn't heard about on the team because i didn't i didn't see the resemblance either no it's not there and it it creeps me out (laughs) i hate it but speaking i mean we, we should talk about other fun things with this whole 
Pirates sword celebration too before we talk about some kind of cool plays. This is just so much fun and the video of Andrew McCutcheon pretending that, you know, his cheek was cut and he's like dying and it's hysterical. Like he's got so much personality. So this, this is fun. The pirates are just constantly having fun right now. Definitely. I mean, I think it's perfect. You're wearing the the Dave Parker. I think it's Dave Parker's shirt. Yes. If you hear any noise, it's just me and the boys bopping. Willow is offended (laughs) by this shirt. Just you and the boys and Willow. She's always bopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that celebration. It was a lot of fun, especially I'm a big Jack Sawinski fan, and I'll be talking about him a bit later on in the podcast. But I, I really enjoyed that. It's it's so great to see the Pirates doing what they're doing right now and just having all that fun. I mean, speaking of the Pirates, we've got a really fun and inspiring story with Drew Maggi, who made his MLB debut this week with the Pirates after 1,115 minor league games. Not minor league at-bats, minor league games. He was drafted back in 2010. Finally this week, got to make his first at-bat to a standing ovation. I got to watch that live, and I remember thinking, it's a very rare thing that a player gets to come in and pinch hit for Andrew McCutcheon, especially in Pittsburgh, and gets a standing ovation for it. Yeah, that story is just really sweet. I am I am so happy for him because, man, that's a lot. I mean, that was 13 years ago that he was drafted. So he's paid his dues and more, honestly. Um, and then there's another one I do want to bring up that I, I put Brent Rooker, his three-run home run off Otani the other night. Like, nobody sits there and talks about how great Brent Rooker is. And nobody, I mean, again, I will say Otani is a better hitter than he is a pitcher because he also was, you know, going for the cycle in that game. Otani was a Mm -hmm. home run away from a cycle. But for Brent Ricker to come in on this, like, really sad ace team right now and just have a three-run blast off of, you know, one of the most powerful, like, wonderful players in baseball, that is just such a, like, fun story for them definitely he's he's been a lot of fun to watch this year and i mean unfortunately there's not a ton of players on the oakland a's that you can say that about this is a really difficult year for them so it was really nice to see that they've got at least a couple of names with uh brent rooker and uh connor capel that can give that team a little bit of life mason miller i know wasn't looking great this week but I mean, he's only just played his second game in the MLB. So, you know, I think he's somebody that we have to give a a little bit more time to. Yeah, for sure. Give him time to actually develop. Speaking of the Oakland A's, a team that doesn't really have much to play for, has a lot of underdogs on them. Let's get to our underdogs of the week. I know you've got a very fun player that we both like from your hometown White Sox. Yes, I have. I've got Jake Berger. He has been super hot at the plate right now, like really the only White Sox player that actually is hitting the ball in the air. Um, Again, he was not supposed to, he he was not on the opening day lineup. He started in AAA Charlotte. He simply just came in because Aloy Jimenez did what he does best and kind of had like a weird freak injury. And, you know, right now, Jake Berger is hitting at 12 hits, 
six home runs, 12 RBIs, 240 batting average, and this is just in 50 plate appearances. Um, again, super hot hitter, doing great things, just a, a big power hitter at the plate too. And didn't even start off on the roster after spring training. He didn't even make it. So for him to come in and actually do really well at third base in place of Yuan Moncada right now, since he's also injured, and to come in and kind of just lead in hits and home runs right now is just so cool. He's my big underdog because he wasn't even supposed to be there, and he's the best player they've got on the team right now. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm a big Jake Berger fan. I, I've definitely got aboard that hype train this year. I think it's a bright spot for the Chicago White Sox right now that's much needed. Very much needed. We adore him anyway in Chicago. So we're just trying to figure out any way that we can keep him once Moncada is back. Definitely. I think they'll have to work out a way to keep him in the lineup. And personally, for my sake, I hope they do because I have both him and my underdog of the week on my TGFBI team. I know both of these are players that the numbers might be there now, so they may not sound like underdogs. But you know, these are two players that really didn't come into the season with very high expectations for them. My underdog of the week is a player I just mentioned, Jack Sawinski, a center fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's just got some real power that he's been showing off this year, really since he came up from the minors. Those in the Discord know I've called him uh, Jack-Jack from The Incredibles because that's all he does is he just hits jacks for days and big ones too. I remember recently I was going to send a clip to my friend that you'll almost remember the day you caught Captain Jack Sparrow. So I was trying to pull up a Jack Sawinski home run that had just barely been caught. I'm like, there really aren't any to use even because everything that he hits is just so deep. He, he doesn't hit a lot of balls that go right to the wall. So he, he's got some real power. He's got 22.5% barrel rate this year, which is unsustainable. That's extremely high. Sixth in the majors right now and almost double an already elite 12.2 that he put up last year, which had him right in between Pete Alonso and Taylor Ward, which are some pretty good company to keep. So if he can keep up just, you know, something like he did last year, the Pirates, they're going to find a lot of offense uh, from Jack Sawinski. He's also a stolen base threat, too. I know it's something that a lot of people haven't necessarily talked about, kind of an underdog within the underdog. He was touted as a prospect that only had 30 grade speed, uh, according to fan graphs. But last year when he came up, he had an 84th percentile sprint speed. This year, that's up to 89th percentile. His 28.6 feet per second is tied with Michael Harris and Marcus Semyon, two guys who we know are stolen base threats. He's got four steals in his last four games right now, which has already tied last season's production in just one week. It took him 19 games to get to that mark versus the 106 it took him last season. For what it's worth, he did put up 11 stolen bases in 2021, going between the Padres and the Pirates AA teams. He was uh, part of the Adam Frazier trade that year and just didn't miss a beat. He's a guy who I think can get maybe 15, 20 stolen bases this season. And you put that with 30 home runs because he's got some real power and a solid average. 
He's got a high walk rate that makes him a great play in OBP leagues. I think Jack Sawinski is not only an underdog, but he may not stay an underdog for long. This is someone who might come into next year's drafts as top fantasy pick. Yeah. And I mean, this, a lot of these Pirates players right now are underdogs. I don't necessarily want to add more, but I was just watching some Mitch Keller stuff and he's had five quality starts already this year. I was just writing about it and he tied his career high in strikeouts two days ago now uh, for 10 strikeouts in a game. So, I mean, he's this suddenly kind of breakout pitcher, which is, I mean, these Pirates are always already super fun talked about that so much but you know they just have a lot of guys on this team that you weren't expecting to have breakout seasons and they already are yeah mitch keller is a guy i've been a big fan of for several years now and it's it's so great to see him looking like he's finally putting it all together yeah 10 strikeouts like you said the other day and against the dodgers who I mean, that's an offense that has been struggling. It's definitely not what people thought it was going to be. But, I mean, you've still got Mookie Betts. You've still got Freddie Freeman. James Outman has been on an absolute tear. They've still got some dangerous hitters in that lineup. And he was just cruising. He seemed like he was on autopilot against some of baseball's top hitters. So he's definitely another name to keep an eye on for sure. So uh, we're going to get into today's deep dive. This week, we're going to be talking about some of the coverage of women's sports, some of the headlines that have been in the news recently. I know there was one that you had brought to my attention just before the podcast started about Marley Rivera making some very unfortunate comments that eventually led to her firing from ESPN. For people that aren't familiar with her work, she is a dugout reporter and a writer for ESPN who had been covering the MLB with ESPN for 13 years. And unfortunately, last week before a pregame interview with Aaron Judge, she had made some comments that we won't repeat on air here, but she made some comments to a, a fellow female sports journalist, Yvonne Gaetti, and it was really frustrating to see. I know there was some thought that she had had an exclusive interview with Aaron Judge, and it seemed like Maybe people got their wires crossed there, but it just felt very disappointing to see how that situation unfolded is, I guess, the way I'll put it. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And another thing, this was in front of a bunch of children. Yes. Which is gross. I mean, the things that she said were just absolutely vile to this woman and then to have it in front of kids and then to have, you know, a female journalist saying these things to another female journalist is absolutely despicable. I mean, women in this industry get enough hate from everyone else. We don't need to hate on each other. This is kind of like this sisterhood pact of bringing each other up. Um, And unfortunately, there are some women in, you know, this industry that, that just don't. Because they've been through it and they're going to just slam the door on anyone else's faces because they've made it. And this is a perfect example of, you know, she's made it. She's been with ESPN for 13 years and this other woman was a freelance reporter. But it's still, it's just absolutely disgusting to treat another human like that in the first place. But treat another person that's, you know trying to also make her way through this tricky world of women in any kind of sports media. You know, I could share my personal DMs of just 
guys that say gross things to me or say rude things to me because I am a woman reporting on baseball. Um, I mean, it's either mean things or someone said, I love your work and you're absolutely gorgeous too. And I'm like, okay, that second part wasn't necessary. Uh, my looks don't don't have anything to do with what I write about. So for another woman to tear someone down like that, it's just, it's, it's so disappointing. <sighs> I just hate it. We, like I said, we, we already get too much flack from everybody else. We should be building women up instead of saying absolutely vile things to them. Yeah, I agree that it was, it was very saddening to hear that story when, you know, you'd mentioned it to me. And I mean, it's interesting that we're, you know, we're talking today about the coverage of women's sports. And I hadn't even heard that that interaction had even happened. So even some of the more major stories in the sports world that you would think would be popping up out there are still not getting their fair share of reporting. Now, this wasn't a positive story, and obviously we'd like to talk about some of the more happy things that are happening around women's sports right now, but this is something that still needs to be discussed, and I was sad to see that there wasn't more coverage of this. Yeah, absolutely. Just all around disappointing um, it reminds me there was this quote I saw a while back ago, and I like to always kind of retweet it on Women in Sports Day. But, you know, it talks about how how women do have it really hard in this industry and how, you know, you strive so hard to make it, but you're not going to get paid the same. There are days where you're, you can't travel with the team because there isn't, you know – a private restroom for women. There isn't, you know, spots just specifically for women. I think the first place that really did that was down in Houston when they, you know, rebuilt their ballpark. They made it more female friendly for these reporters. But, you know, women, we miss out on these trips. We miss out on opportunities just because some people just don't give us the credit that, that we deserve. You know, I was just talking to my son's baseball coach the other day and he was complimenting Hayden on, you know, like his, his baseball knowledge and how he's a team player. And I was like, yeah, he probably learned all that baseball knowledge from me. And, you know, he was like, oh, and he seemed confused at first. And I was like, no, I, I write about the sport. Like I cover this sport and he was just baffled. And like, it's to the point where it, it's still baffling just anybody that I am, am capable of being incredibly knowledgeable about most sports and, you know, covering baseball for a living. So, I mean, it's just, it's discouraging already that people don't give you the chances and don't make things friendly and accessible for you. And then, I mean, that doesn't even that doesn't even dive into like the harassment that we receive. So yeah, this should have been covered more. And it's just it's such a bummer that she had to do what she, or she had to say what she did. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing and frustrating that we still seem to be struggling with this. And you know, like you were just saying with that example that you gave, it, you know, I find it very disappointing that this is something that is so complicated to so many people when it's it's really not. It's really quite simple. 
just treat people with respect, treat people fairly and give people the opportunities that they deserve. Yeah, we want to talk about equal rights in this environment, but it, it's still not equal. And it's 2000, you know, it's 2023. And it, it's still not equal for, for women, or people of color or anything like that. It's just there's still a big gap between women and people of color and just your average old white guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know it's it's shocking to me that we don't even have that many female commentators in not only baseball, but across the sports world. I, I know there are a, a few out there and I know with some of the shifts we've been seeing with the the streaming services starting to get into the market. I know they have, or at least seem to have prioritized uh, having a more balanced team, but it's something that the rest of the league still hasn't caught up on. And even if these streaming services are the future, that's still something that's going to take some time to be rolled out. The smallest changes seem to be taking so long. I know there are a lot more female voices in the sport these days, but it's it's resonated with me a couple of times, just how many of these are sideline reporters. And it's great to see that there are some women getting jobs in the industry, but that they seem to be limited to that one space isn't a quality, that isn't a solution. So, you know, we need to see you know, a league that reflects the real world. And, you know, you mentioned the streaming services. I was really excited with Apple TV and kind of their more female-led broadcast booth. Mm -hmm. But so many people just had the worst things to say about that. And, you know, again, that that stinks because those women are out there talking about the sport. They're very knowledgeable of the sport. They're doing a great job. But there is just so much internalized misogyny in this sport to where it led to people saying, oh my gosh, they're awful. I wish they would just shut up. And, you know, what if, I mean, I'm not going to go into sports broadcasting at all, but, you know, that's something where I think, yeah, my son probably has a great time with that. Like, this is something he wants to go into. And you know what? He can check his privilege. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, a white male that wants to go into broadcasting for, you know, baseball, preferably. But then I think, but what if my daughter wants to do that? She's not going to have an easy time doing that because people on Twitter, keyboard warriors are talking about how awful these women broadcasters are when in reality, they're just fine. And these people are just mad because it's a woman in the booth. I mean, that's all it really is at the end of the day. Definitely. It's a huge double standard. I remember seeing some of those comments and one of my first thoughts was it's not like male commentary is always a home run. I've heard many a broadcast, I don't even need to single out names, where the the commentators are completely out of their depth, where they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for topics or they're very clearly reading off, stats off of a piece of paper that they've never heard of before. And don't really have the background to understand some of those things. So it's a huge double standard that really needs to be called out. I don't think there was anything wrong with the female commentary in the first place. But even if there had been, we give male commentators a hall pass all the time for phoning it in certain days. Yeah, bare minimum or being caught on a hot mic saying something pretty gross. Yep. You know, but (laughs) these guys usually still keep their jobs. Yep, we've definitely seen our our fair share of that, and that could be a whole other episode that we do in the future. 
But, you know, there's another interesting point that you made there too about your daughter and what opportunities she might have. And I really think that it's something that I hope more people can reflect on in the future is what kind of worlds are you creating for your children? What opportunities are the next generation going to have? Are we clearing a path to make things easier on them or are we just reinforcing the status quo? Hopefully that's something where we'll see things start to change and Speaking of change, I know we've seen good headlines out there this week as well. The two of us were both talking about Jenny Wen, who last year uh, invested her life savings, about $27,000, in addition to some loans and a Kickstarter that uh, was able to help raise quite a bit of money. Uh, She opened up the very cleverly named The Sports Bra in Portland, Oregon, which was reportedly the country's first bar to only play women's sports on TV, which is shocking to me that it took us until 2022 to be able to say that. This is somebody who saw that there was this very clear and obvious need and decided to take matters into her her own hands and create some change in the world. Yeah, for sure. I know, you know, before the show, we were both talking about instances where we've wanted to watch you know, women playing a sport, you know, whether it's the Olympics or I had mentioned to you, you know, the, the Chicago sky, the NBA, WNBA team was like making mm-hmm. a really good run a couple years back when they actually won the championship. And, you know, I'd asked, Hey, instead of like preseason college football or tennis or something, can we maybe put on the sky game and, it, it was like I said something terrible and insulted like an ancestor of someone. And they were like, oh, um, yeah, well, I guess, sure. And they were just kind of weird about it. And I was like, I don't want to watch this tennis match that's super boring. I, I want to watch, you know, a really good basketball team because – the Bulls certainly haven't been great for a couple seasons now. So, you know, why can't I just watch a WNBA game? And You never see women's sports on TV unless it is like a championship game and they feel obligated to because they just found out that day that there was even a championship game going on. Yeah, and that's very much the story I know behind the sports bra and how it came to be. I was reading up about it before the podcast. And first of all, I mean, Jenny Wen is a former college basketball player herself. Um, And in 2018, her and some friends were just trying to find somewhere to watch the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship between Notre Dame and Mississippi State. And apparently they went to a mostly empty sports bar. And even there, they had to convince the bartender to let them put the game on and were given kind of one of the smaller TVs in the bar without any sound. And, you know, there were so many stories out there that were very similar of, you know, women trying to watch women's sports and being given a hard time for it. You know, like you mentioned before, I've I've seen myself several years ago when Team Canada was in the Olympics and our women's hockey team was playing in the gold medal game. The men's team wasn't playing either. They weren't playing that day or they were already out of the tournament. I can't remember, but the the bar my friends and I went to, they had Dallas, Nashville or something like that. Just two small market, non-playoff teams on. And we were all shocked and confused. It's like, hey, why don't you have Team Canada on? 
this team is playing for gold right now. We should be watching this. And the bartender was, oh, you know what? People here don't really want to watch that. A group next to us immediately chimed in that we didn't even know and said, actually, you know what? We were wondering the same thing. We'd love to watch the women compete for the gold medal. I mean, that was a huge moment in Canada. You know, very begrudgingly and kind of rolling our eyes at us, they changed the channel. But it's such a struggle to even watch the sport. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you you mentioned in these notes, only 5% of all sports coverage is allotted to women's sports. And reaching out to sports network and streaming services directly to find content, since most airtime is dedicated to men's sports, you know, those are, that's just so disappointing. And it, it just makes women feel like they are not as important when in reality, most of the time they're, they're more talented. You know, there was always this joke with Reggie Miller when he was in the NBA that Cheryl Miller was better at basketball and it would drive him crazy because people would chant Cheryl at him because she was better at basketball. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing that there's not more emphasis placed on women's sports and that they don't get even a fraction of the airtime that they deserve. Like you said, you know, 5%, that means 95% of sports coverage is going to men's sports. That's so blatantly lopsided and completely undeserved. You know, there is so much talent out there in, in women's sports right now across so many different sports. Like you said, that that Jenny Wen had to reach out to the networks and streaming services directly. Like that blew me away to hear about because, you know, to be honest, as a man, that's something we take for granted. That we can turn on the TV and find whatever men's sports games that we want to watch. And that's just the norm when it comes to men's sports. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like unless you're, you know, Venus and Serena Williams, you're you're not going to get that airtime as a female playing in any sport. You know, and that's no shade to them. They're phenomenal. And I feel like every person should look up to those two. But yeah, you, you just don't see, you know, women's college sports, WNBA, just, it's nothing. Like even in the Olympics, it doesn't feel like the women get their fair share of coverage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you brought up uh, Venus and Serena. I mean, Serena Williams might be the single greatest athlete on the planet. And so th- let's make this clear. This is not a matter of talent. Uh, speaking of the sports bra, Jenny Wen has talked about how she's had some of the biggest stars in women's basketball come through since she started this bar, which she only just opened a year ago. Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi both stopped by and literally even signed a wall of the bar for her. Ginny Gilder, who was the co-owner of the Seattle Storm of the WNBA, waited in line at the sports bra to get in and watch the team that she owns play on the TV. There are so many big names that we could go on and on about, and we should, and give them the recognition that they deserve. Also, are we completely forgetting a league of their own? Because... This is a true story. I mean, this was based on a true story. It's a real team in Rockford, Illinois. You know, this was a little over, I think it was 11 years. Yeah, just a little over a decade where they had this all-American girls professional baseball league. And it was the only way that they could, like, maintain interest in baseball while World War II was going on. And there was a draft. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all these major league players are, you know, going off to war. So this was... 
how they kept the country interested in baseball was watching women play baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting that you bring that up too, because I remember I was just reading recently about Maybelle Blair, who was one of the big inspirations for a league of their own uh, women's baseball player who just recently came out of the closet at age 95. And I myself just got so emotional hearing that story because her, her words were just so moving, you know, hearing her having the courage to come out. And, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's just, there's no lack of incredible stories and incredible talent in, in women's sports and the coverage deserves to be matched. Yeah, I would love to just be able to walk into a bar and just be surrounded by screens of women's sports. And, you know, I, I said this to you earlier, like, I would feel most comfortable if I walk into a sports bar that's just for like the girls, the gays and the days, like that would just fill my heart because one, I'm not being like hit on by some creep that's trying to slip something in my drink. But two, I'm able to just watch women dominate in their careers, which we just can't see because nobody cares because we all have this internalized misogyny within us. Even, you know, even the most um, kind of, I mean, me, I will, I will say I probably have some internalized misogyny. You probably have some, we all do. Of course. And it's just part of that, like breaking that and recognizing that women are equal and deserve equal time, especially in sports. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that recently I've heard some people having some conversations that they don't appreciate the way, the direction in which things are going right now and people kind of being, you know, the the language police and telling them how they should feel and looking down on them. And I'm like, no one is, is looking down on you here. We, like you said, we all have these issues. You know, I myself have the exact same biases. What's important isn't whether or not you have them. It's what you choose to do with them and how you choose to react once you're being made aware that something you think or something you say is problematic. The people that choose to double down knowing that they're hurting people, it's just a philosophy that I myself will never be able to understand. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to check your privilege every day. That's, you know, that's something I constantly remind myself of like, hey, check your privilege. Um, it it's worse. It's it's bad out there. <laughs> I mean, especially in the states, it's it's bad right now. And if I have a platform, I'm going to use it for good. Of course, I think it's what we should all be doing is trying to use our platforms to help other people as much as we possibly can, and especially those that are either more vulnerable or aren't being empowered enough, and you know, deserve to have their voices empowered as well, because everybody deserves to be heard and deserves to feel valued and respected. And that's all we're asking for here on this podcast is that, you know, at the end of the day, with all of the issues that we talk about, everybody should just be treated fairly. And safe. Like, that's a big thing. Like, I want this to be a really safe space. And a lot of people just aren't feeling that right now. Definitely. Everyone deserves to have those same opportunities and to feel safe and, you know, to have their basic needs met. You know, hopefully it's something that, you know, as we've seen recently, there are a lot of people who are just incredible human beings that are picking up the fight. And that is something that will continue to change as long as 
this is something that we're all a part of and that we all take up as if it's our own fight. I think that leads perfectly into your warm fuzzies today. Yeah, absolutely. So I sort of have two warm fuzzies that I'll share here. First, I know we were talking about Jenny Wen before. She's somebody I wanted to make mention of in my warm fuzzies that, you know, she started the sports bra and uh, what it's meant to so many people in such a short period of time, because it's just, just over a year ago. They just celebrated their one year anniversary recently. And already since they've opened, um, there's another bar called the Rough and Tumble Pub uh, that's now been opened in Seattle by Jen Barnes and has also seen some celebrity visitors from the Seattle Storm as well. And apparently even more entrepreneurs have reached out to Jenny when asking for her advice on opening a similar bar in their own city. And, you know, she's been extremely happy to help and to share her experience with people so that everybody can have this. And this is something that she can share with so many people. So I just thought that was so incredible that she's doing that. And, you know, Jen Barnes and other people getting involved and helping to create more safe and inclusive spaces to be able to push the needle and and improve this coverage of women's sports. Because I think the sports industry looks out there and starts to see that this is a very popular and profitable thing and that there is a very large market. I just wanted to recognize that because I thought it's so incredible. For my second warm fuzzy, I also wanted to acknowledge that tomorrow, Saturday, April 29th, will be the 10-year anniversary of Jason Collins coming out of the closet, which... If you haven't read the story that he published at the time on Sports Illustrated, I strongly encourage people to read because this is our warm fuzzy, especially this is something that to me personally, I know meant so much growing up a young, openly gay sports fan and being told this sport is not for you or that I didn't know as much as other people for so much of my childhood, I wanted to get into the sports industry. And I I don't think it was really until Jason Collins came out that I really genuinely believed and thought of this as something that I could make a living off of. So that story was just one that resonated so much with me personally. And I know has resonated with other people as well. I know I just saw this week, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union were talking about how they moved away from Florida in order to support their daughter, Zaya, who is trans, and they didn't want to raise her in a state that had some of the beliefs and politics that we've seen going on there recently. So much of this all started with Jason Collins. It can have such a ripple effect. Uh, given that it's the 10th anniversary, I wanted to acknowledge that as one of my warm fuzzies as well. Yeah, he he was a real, I mean, he's still to this day is a real trailblazer for that, which is amazing. He, he has such an impact on just the sport, the sport and sports in general and the bravery to come out when, you know, even then, even 10 years ago, it was not always pleasant and it's still not always pleasant to come out. We are still constantly dealing with people that just do not respect it. Yeah, I know uh, when he came out and even in the years since, there have been some superstar players even who have chosen to make some very unappreciated and hurtful comments. I I know that's something that's Jason Collins himself has been a very loud and outspoken advocate trying to uh, connect with people. I know 
I know a, a couple of years ago when Kobe Bryant passed, that was something that really resonated with me because he was somebody that uh, a very long time ago had made um, some homophobic comments, but had listened to people and realized that he had hurt people and decided to apologize and to make amends and to work with the queer community. And so that was something that really struck me when he passed that, you know, here's someone that some people are focusing on the fact that he has this history and that he's made these comments, but, you know, let's focus on the change that he made. You know, I think that should be an example for people that regardless of what you've done, it's never too late to listen to other people and to make changes. Yeah, that's what true allyship is, you know. I have friends that are always like, yeah, I'm an ally. I'm like, okay, well, that's great and all, but sometimes you you kind of have to do more than just declare that you're an ally. You know, that's we need you just as much on the front lines when our rights are trying to be taken away and our rights are being stripped and we can no longer, you know, marry the ones we love. We can no longer be who we want to be, you know, because I mean, definitely down in the States, it is just ugly. Florida especially is very bad right now. It's not even just, you know, these Bible Belt states. Florida is facing so much turmoil and nobody feels safe there. You know, I've got a few trans friends that are very rightfully so kind of freaking out right now because, you know, they might no longer get their, you know, hormone therapy or they might have to cancel their surgeries. And it's just, it's so gross. You know, we just want to be who we are and not be criticized and have all of those rights stripped from us. So it's good for somebody to kind of recognize homophobia that they've experienced in the past because again a lot of this is just ingrained in our systems from you know our boomer parents and to come out and to recognize it and then to work with that community is what true allyship is and I, that just needs to be shouted from the rooftops of you can't just say you're an ally we need we need some effort if you want to be an ally I've heard some of those same comments myself from friends over the years that, you know, the onus is on us as a queer community to make change. But I mean, of course, when you think about that on the surface, even it doesn't make sense because being such a minority means that we are outnumbered. If we're a small percentage of the population, how can we get legislation passed that will protect our community and protect ourselves? We need allyship. We need people to join us on this and to think outside of what affects them because these issues affect every single one of us whether you know it or not you know there is somebody in your life who is queer who is struggling with their identity and it's really just a matter of whether or not you're aware of it you know we all know somebody that's affected by this and if you feel that you don't it just means that the people in your life may not be comfortable opening up and sharing that with you. And that may not even be a judgment on you as a person, to be clear. This is a, a very difficult journey for a lot of people, especially when we look at what's going on in the news and what's going on in the world. Um, so sometimes that may be around somebody's personal struggles more than about what you've put out there. But you know, I, I think it's it's a good moment for everybody to reflect on, you know, the language that you're using or 
how you behave around certain people, because we all know somebody that's affected by this. And how you vote. Definitely. Because that's usually the biggest thing. You can have the best intentions in the world, but if you're voting for someone that wants to strip these rights away, then you're actually just doing more harm. Of course. Yeah, it, it matters so much because that's, you know, like you mentioned before, that we all deserve to feel safe. That's where a lot of that safety comes from. You know, unfortunately, we need that legislation in order to feel protected, to feel safe, to get employment. So that that's definitely something that, I've, you know, of course, we're not going to sit here and tell people who to vote for, but it's definitely important to consider, you know, is the person you're voting for somebody that's going to look out for themselves or look out for everybody within their constituency? I think that's what's really important at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring it back to something a little lighter. <laughs> um, my warm fuzzy this week, there was an interview with uh, Ken Griffey Sr. talking about Ken Griffey Jr., and uh, they were talking about sharing an office. Basically, um, they shared the outfield for a brief time. They were in the same batting order for a brief time. And there was a play that had happened in the outfield where Junior kind of ran up. And Senior said, I'm going to stay in this like three foot, you know, basically triangle out here in this outfield. That's that's my spot. I will grab the ball if it comes in my spot. And Junior kind of just swooped in and grabbed the ball. And they're talking about how he, you know, Ken Griffey Sr. grounded him that day. He got into the dugout. He said, you're grounded. I'm taking the car keys away. And it was just, it was just a, such a cute kind of funny video. Because um, it was take your child to work day, I think just yesterday. So it was just, it's fun to kind of see them goof around and talk about ridiculous moments. And, you know, how often do you have father-son duo on the same team in the same lineup right next to each other in the outfield? So it was just, it was really fun. And it warmed my heart to to see them just kind of joking around about it. Yeah, that was, that was a great moment and really you know, really funny moment, like you mentioned about, you know, Ken Griffey Sr. grounding Jr. for taking that ball away from him. And I think that's what baseball is all about. You know, that's what we want the sport to be is these awesome, funny moments of people just being able to share the game together and have some fun. I know we recently saw something similar with uh, Bobby Witt Sr. catching the foul ball from Bobby Witt Jr., yeah. Um, also, Larry Sheets caught a Gavin Sheets home run just a couple of weeks ago, too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so fun to see these generations, um, you know, and same with, you know, Vladdy Jr. Yep. and his dad. It, there's just all of these really special moments with these father-son dynamics in baseball. And I just – it's always my favorite stories when – something silly like that happens with Bobby Witt, with Gavin Sheets and the Griffies and everybody else in baseball. So that it just warmed my little heart today. Yeah, it's it's what sports are all about really at the end of the day is, you know, having fun, making some meaningful connections, teamwork. This is what sports should be about. 
So anyways, we uh, hope you enjoyed listening to our deep dive on the coverage of women's sports. As always, be sure to follow us. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at the Outpitch Pod, myself at Havelock Justin, and Crystal at Crystal underscore OK. Um, don't forget to follow PitcherList on Twitter and Instagram at PitcherList. I know Crystal has a lot of great content that she does over there, and I'm involved in our Discord server as well as a moderator. So you should definitely come check us out. Come join PL Plus. It's a really great community. So you can find all the links in our description below this episode with our handles. And please don't forget to click follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And don't forget to make sure to check out the uh, Google form that I mentioned as well to uh, give us some feedback, to share some mailbag questions you might have about the podcast or about a subject you may want to talk about. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And pop over to Visiting Dugout because I have a super cute new logo. Thanks to my partner that is a wonderful artist. And also you can come on that show if you really want to. I also have a Google form to fill out. So if you happen to love a baseball team and want to come talk to me about how they will likely sweep the White Sox this season, head on over. I'm open. Definitely. Make sure to give uh, Visiting Doug a listen as well. It's a great podcast. And like you said, it's a great, fun new logo. So thank you for listening to the Outpitch podcast, and we'll catch you next week.